Come on. That's a great segue. Yeah. We've got just an hour, just under an hour. I don't know why I'm looking. I'm looking up there for a clock, but there's just ropes on the wall. Are they keys or ropes? What are they? Knots. Knots. Oh, knots. Okay, great. Uh, so just under an hour. Um, and I thought we needed to finish the day on a little bit more of a light note. So I want to speak just briefly about the power of encouragement in this session and then we're going to do some encouraging and uh, we're going to maybe prophesy some of the team might have some prophetic stuff so uh, Proverbs 1821 uh, says this life these two these two can I just say being cheeky have you seen them being cheeky the whole time we did a year long training thing online where they joined a huddle I was leading about leadership and this is the first time they've actually met in person and there's no stopping them yeah someone needs to separate these two no we're gonna so I love it Proverbs 18.21 says life and death are in the power of the tongue okay life and death are in the power of the tongue because we've been made in the image and likeness of God and he spoke and created he's given us the same ability in our words to either create and bring life or through our words to curse to bring death to bring destruction and so it's actually really important that we learn how to use our words to bring life both to ourselves sometimes we're the worst at speaking rubbish over ourselves uh, but also to other people and even over situations. Our words are really powerful. And encouragement literally means to give courage. To encourage means to give courage. And I don't know about you, but I would say that there's loads of... It's very easy to be discouraged. Anyone? Very easy to be discouraged. Um, and discouragement causes us to shrink and hide back and hold back whereas encouragement if we can get a culture of encouragement when we encourage someone if they can learn to receive it well it gives them courage to be who God's made them to be so if if you as a church family are going to step fully into all that God's called you to you need a culture of encouragement it's not going to happen by accident but if we can create a culture where we are speaking truth to each other and calling stuff out of each other it literally puts courage into you I remember one time before I was about to preach on a Sunday I prepared this message and I felt God had really spoken to me about it. But on the Sunday morning, I had a crisis of confidence and woke up suddenly thinking it was rubbish. It's not, it's not a fun feeling. It's, the preachers are nodding around the room. And I remember going into church and just feeling, oh my gosh, this is terrible. It's not, not going to make any sense. And I, uh, we had a prayer meeting before the meeting. <coughs> People prayed for me. And then Phil Wilthie, who's one of the elders there, uh, came up to me and uh, prayed. Prayed some encouragement over me. And then he looked me in the eyes and he said, Wendy, go for it this morning. We've got your back. Don't hold back. And I, I just felt this, this courage rise in me. It was, it was supernatural. It's like, okay. I, and I preached a blinder. I preached really well because because of his him putting courage into me, and uh, I love I love that we can see some of this outworking in scripture. Uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer in one Samuel fourteen. If you know the story, it really makes me laugh because 
Jonathan is a is a he wants to go and fight the Philistines, and his dad Saul is procrastinating, and so Jonathan decides we're just gonna we're just, I'm just gonna go and try to kill them all, and he takes his armor bearer and he says to him, I've got this plan. We're gonna go over to the Philistines. They're on this hill. He says, this is the plan. This is our sign. If they say to us when they see us, come up here, we'll know that God's delivered them to us. We're going to win. It's a terrible, terrible battle plan. Because they had to crawl. That literally, literally, they crawled on hands and knees up, to, up the hill to the Philistines. And so Jonathan says to his armor bearer, this is my plan. If they say this, we're going to go. Like two of them and a Philistine army, right? If I was the armor bearer, I think I'd have a few thoughts for Jonathan. Let's just wait for the rest of the army. Let's just pray. Let's see what God... I mean, all of this stuff. This is what the armor bearer says to Jonathan. Do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. That's amazing. Crazy plan, and the armor armor bearer adds courage to it. I've got you. Let's do it. Let's go together. Let's climb up this hill together and see what God will do. And obviously they get an amazing victory, don't they? Because the Philistine armor gets wiped out. Um, Jonathan and his armor bearer. Another example is Mordecai with, with Queen Esther. Love the story of Esther. And she's put in a position of, of royalty in the palace. And uh, then, they, then they find out that, the, that there's a plan to wipe out the whole of their nation. And Mordecai thinks, here's an opportunity for Esther. And he, and he says to Esther, you need to approach the king to plead for mercy for our people. And Esther knows that if she approaches the king uninvited, she's at risk of being killed. I mean, that's risky. That right there is risky. And we read that she had some hesitation about doing this. She wasn't very excited about it. And then Mordecai says to her the famous thing we have all our, on our you know, fridges and this famous saying, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Maybe this is, what, this is the moment that God has called you to this place for. What does he do? Just put some courage in her. Put some courage in her and she approaches the king and we know that the, the people get saved. Amazing. And then you look at Barnabas and Saul Saul, who used to kill Christians, has this radical encounter with God and becomes a Christian. But when he approaches the believers, they're freaked out by him and they're like, we don't want to receive you because you used to kill people like us. And they're really not sure who's the one who sees him and invites him in. Barnabas. Barnabas, his name means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Barnabas sees Saul and says to the other believers, look, he really has met with God. He really has changed. And then different things happen and eventually Saul gets sent to Tarsus because there's, there's a risk to his life. But when then something happens in a particular church, I think it's in Antioch, I'm, I haven't written it down, when something starts to happen in a particular church, Barnabas goes and sees what's going on and thinks to himself, I know who's going to be good to come here. We need to go and get Saul. And he has to travel a long time to go where Saul has been for, for these years to bring him back to this church, to work together with him to see God do amazing things there. And so Barnabas is again remembering, I'm remembering Saul. I'm going to bring him in. I'm going to invite him in. We're going to partner together. He's just giving courage to Saul all the time, just believing in him and giving him space and, and, and calling him into stuff. 
and eventually you, you realize in, in, in the book of Acts, it changes from Saul and Barnabas, uh, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, and it switches. Now it's Saul and Barnabas, and then it becomes Paul and Barnabas, and it shifts. And Paul writes most of the New Testament, or loads of the New Testament. Barnabas doesn't really get a mention. But if you want to ask the question, who was, who was, ulti- who was the person who first spotted the potential in Saul is Barnabas. Isn't that amazing? So we can be those people who spot something in someone. A little bit of encouragement, a little bit of space, an invitation here and there to come and do this, that and the other. And who knows, one day they may well overtake you, which is actually meant to be the point in the kingdom. That is actually how it's meant to be. My victories in Jesus are meant to be the, 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 the floor on which the next generation and others stand and go further than me. That's what the kingdom looks like. And so encouragement is incredibly powerful. And so I want us to spend some time in a minute encouraging each other, speaking truth to each other. And, but just to give you a little tip on how to give and receive encouragement, because we're not always very good at it. I'm sure you guys are all great, but just to help you. So this is, how, this is how I teach people to receive encouragement, particularly receive encouragement. First of all, there must be eye contact at all times. It's going to be awkward for some of you. I'm just saying now, you're going to find it a little bit awkward, but your eyes are so powerful when it comes to receiving. Often, if we're living with shame, we really struggle to look people in the eye. And if we're living with lies about ourselves, we actually need to hear the truth and the encouragement in our eyes. It's not enough to hear it. <coughs> if you can receive it through looking at a person, it just goes deeper than just hearing it. <coughs> so first of all, eye contact must be remained. And if the person's really struggling, you might just have to do this to get their eye, just to, just to get their eyes on you. Or you might even have to hold their head. <laughs> Feel free to gently hold the person's head if they're really struggling, okay? So we want to do eye contact. And then I want to encourage us to really receive the encouragement. What I mean by that is sometimes, sometimes when I encourage people, they'll say things like, oh, it wasn't me, it was God. And, it's, and, what, and it's a, there's a really great heart behind that. But what it ends up doing is it deflects. It deflects the encouragement I'm trying to give them. And they put it on God. Obviously, God's in, he's responsible for everything good. Obviously, he's ultimately the reason for everything good in our lives. But when someone says that to me, it's like the encouragement rebounds off of them and comes back to me. It's not very encouraging for the encourager if you don't receive the encouragement. Also... If you, don't receive, if you don't receive a little bit of encouragement from me, you're going to struggle to really believe what God says about you. Because they're night and day different. You look at some of the scriptures that are true because of Jesus, about us. Ambassadors of Christ, temples of the Holy Spirit, holy and blameless, dearly loved, sons and daughters, adopted. I mean, that is truth. Do you understand that translation? Like, like it's just—it should be mind blowing. It should be—we should be blown away by that stuff. None of us really get this, but the scripture has incredible truths about us. 
So when we receive encouragement from a person, we've got to receive it. Let it, let it get in you. Receive it. Um, and sometimes people think, if you create a culture of encouragement, you're just going to make people big-headed. We don't want to fall into pride. Here, here's a little tip for you, sometimes, that I do, is I will receive the encouragement, because I need courage, guys, just to say, we all do. I need courage. And then when I think about it, if I'm with Jesus at a different point, I'll just say, Jesus, we both know that this is for you. This is all for your glory. This, this is not me, really. I mean, it's only because of your grace that I'm even here. And so I just want to give it to you as worship. Yeah, thank you for it, Father, but I just give it to you. Is it helpful? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Is you're going to make us do something now. I am, yeah. But I, I, want to, I want to just really underline that our words, when we encourage it, is actually supernatural. This is not just an exercise of words. We, are, we have the potential to create courage and actually create life in people as we encourage. It's really, really powerful. And so I want to encourage us to just take some time over this. And... Uh, what I'm going to suggest we do is we get into maybe twos, threes, fours of people we know, if that's possible, because then it, it saves on the awkwardness of not knowing what to say. Have <laughs> uh, you got anything you want to encourage me about? Oh, I don't really know you. That's a bit awkward. Um, although you can use your prophetic gift and listen to what God says, you speak some truth over them. Um, and then we'll take some time to receive the encouragement, um, and then we'll take it in turns around the circle in that little group. Does that sound okay? Maybe a good question to answer as you're thinking about your encouragement is what would, what would we miss out on if you weren't here? What are some of the things we would miss out on if you weren't in the room? That's a good question to think through. Um, but yeah. Any questions on this? Happy? Happy days? Anyone feeling not so happy? Feeling slightly uncomfortable, good. That's good. It's, it's really good for us to push through on this and just try it. So why don't we all stand? Let's stand together. Maybe find a group of three, threes or fours. And team, just go and mix yourself around the groups to help, help people give and receive. <laughs>